I love singing that song. I can hold that note forever. From the time I was two, people were shocked at the grocery store about how much volume I had. Man, you don't need to be mighty. You just need a spiritual set of bagpipes to freak the enemy out. I love the Scots. They're cheap and crazy. Can I hear an amen, Scottish people? A friend of ours in Scotland, uh, my mom saw that they were having a, a sale on coffins. And she said, that was, seems depressing. And she says in her rich brogue, well, you don't think we'd pay full price for a coffin. Sometimes I think that, that you're waiting to get to the, uh, to the enemy before you start to sing. And I think you, the enemy needs to hear the sound of uh, bagpipes because anybody crazy enough to stay in that camp over there with a bunch of bagpipes is going to be crazy enough to beat us too. And I think when we come to church, we sing and we put the devil on notice and be like, hey, yeah, you, you do what you do, devil, and stir up trouble where you can. But this is the mountain we're climbing and there's nothing you can do to stop us. My wife was praying for, for people today, uh, this morning. I said it was going to come up in the sermon. She said, Lord, I can't remember who it was over. Lord, I pray for the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness over this person. Then she says, like, like a cloak of levitation for like, for protection. I'm like, that's strange. It's Dr. Strange is what that is. The Marvel movie the cloak of levitation i'm like because i was watching it yesterday i'm like like stop you can't pray about you can't pray marble prayers <laughs> today I'm, my sermon is called be a sherpa because i'm going to talk about climbing a mountain and how we actually climb a mountain together and uh, how many people know that when you climb a mountain you need the garment of praise because it is like a cloak of levitation that when you misplace your, your 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 feet sometimes that the cloak of praise the garment of praise lifts you up and the devil's trying to drag you down off of that mountain, but God has given you a spirit of praise for, for, to combat that spirit of heaviness today. So I saved it, Aaron, because I love you. You didn't think that was funny? The cloak of levitation. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Who was here last week when I, when I thought the, the, the word orphan and the word adopted both started with the letter A? Renee finally got the courage in the third sermon to speak up. <laughs> I just got something weird in my head. You know, I wrote a, um, an article. I read a weekly article in the Echo in town here. And I had written an article called Orphan Annie, and I think that the A from Annie stuck in my head as it... <laughs> that, wasn't a, that was a test for you. Some of you failed it. I don't want to bring it up here, but some of you failed that test. <laughs> hey, um... Some of you have been coming for quite a while, but we haven't seen you in NXT yet. We want you to go and, and, and get your name in at the box office, of course, and get your free gift. But we want you to get uh, involved uh, one layer uh, deeper in, in, in church. The, the magic is when you come to church and you're not coming for you anymore. And it's just going to tie in with our sermon today. We have people that I think are in the back corner there after the service. Um, our NXT, what's next for me at Venue Church? We want you to get involved. Look. Coming here is great. This is like party central. This is where God, God is going to do something great. Hey, come to first Wednesday if you want your month to go well. This Wednesday, 7 o'clock right here. Everybody who comes to first Wednesday is like, I'll never miss one of these again. And um, so that's going to be a powerful night of worship and teaching moment and prophetic ministry. But um, 
You need to get deeper. You need to get on a small group. You need to get on a serving, serving team. That's, that's where it all happens. And so we want that for you. Um, this sermon today is going to be about a word called adventure. Thanks, Sean. I've called this sermon, Be a Sherpa. Does anybody know what a Sherpa is? A Sherpa, like, if you're climbing Mount Everest, take Sherpas or you're going to die. Uh, Sherpas are people that are, that are born and bred in the Himalayan mountains, and, and I don't think they think of themselves as mountaineers. They just are born and bred there, and that's what they do. And so, so today's sermon is called Be a, Be a Sherpa, and I'm going to be talking about uh, climbing mountains and, uh, and about adventure. Um, I think that, that this whole uh, series uh, coexists. It's not enough to coexist. And it's an, God wants your relationships, your love, your life to be set on fire. And what sets this on fire is this word called adventure. Adventure. I feel like I'm getting no feedback from the, what was he going to ask us to do? Just wait. It's always coming. I told somebody, this is, you know, I've tr I tried to make this one a happy sermon. They're all happy because I'm like, I believe in you and I think we're going to go climb a mountain. Here's the mountain. Let's go. How can love be love without a sense of adventure? I think we're losing our sense of adventure in society. How can love be... Are you even alive without adventure? Can you even really live without adventure? Some of us, we're just trying to make it in our marriage so we don't get a divorce. That is not what God intended. That is not flourishing. Just raising teenagers th that you don't kill by the time they get out of the house is not the point of raising teenagers. God wants you to thrive. God wants your life to be, to be super abundantly, more than you could ask or think, more than your broken state, more than where you started. God wants to take it, turn it all around. God wants your, your feet on the path to everlasting life. God wants your, your life and everything about you to go out and do something great. What's the point? I don't want a marriage that like, hey, we made it 50 years, great. We'll go to Hawaii. If we did nothing, what would be the point of that? If we never climbed a mountain, if we never learned how to help, if we never, for my kids just to exist somehow, no, adventure. Here's the word adventure defined in unusual and exciting. Yes. How many people like a bit of unusual? Some of y'all are a little too usual. You're just like, I just hope today is just the same as yesterday. And your kids are like, no. Unusual and exciting. I get bored now. I just, anything that shakes me out of boredom, even if it's hard, I love it. Parenting is like that. Unusual situations that you find yourself in. An unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. Are we still talking adventure? Yeah. Typically hazardous. Like if it kills Jason, it might kill Jason, but I, it won't kill me. It's typically hazardous. What? That's part of adventure. That's part of what makes you feel alive. Especially the exploration of unknown territory. Can I hear an amen, parents? Yeah. I'm going to be a great parent because I know what it's all about. Oh, shut up. You'll come crying to pastor one day. You'll be like, oh, Pastor Aaron, I had no idea. I got thrown up on one night seven times. Favorite shirt, gone. Favorite pants, gone. Favorite underpants, I don't know. Gone, gone, gone. Change of clothes. Arwen, man. Parenting is one horrible adventure after another. The exploration of unknown territory. How about marriage? My parents had a great marriage. That didn't give me a great marriage. Like I kind of thought that I knew about it, but until you're in the middle of it, come on. Like I can't wait to own this company. Yeah, until you own the company. Everybody who owns a company is like, I can't wait to go back to being an employee. Now the world has been telling us in 2020, stay safe. 
Stay safe. Stay psychologically. That's not right. Stay safe. Stay safe. I get what they're saying because of the sanctity of life and everything, but stay safe. Stay safe. No, 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 no. There's something wrong with that whole mentality of stay safe. But you know, if I was in the world, I, I get it because this life is all that I have. That's how pe people think like this is all that there is. And, and they haven't really explored uh, death or the afterlife or wrestled with God about what to do about their sins that you know, I get it. So my neighbors, they're worried. I get it because this life is all that they have. So be safe, you know, stay safe. That whole idea works there. But for children of God, stay safe. You know, I think God in heaven must just be shuddering like, yeah. I don't want a family full of cowards. Yeah. Stay safe. No, God is like, I built you for adventure. Yeah. I built you for conquest. I built you for yeah. mountains. I built you for war. I built you to do something a little crazy from time to time. You know what the word risk can be defined as? The possibility that something bad might happen. I have a motorcycle. There's always the possibility something bad might happen. But every time it doesn't, something great happens. I don't think a childhood without adventure is a childhood worth remembering. I don't remember all the days that we did nothing. You know what? I remember the times I just about died. The, the immense amount of fun we had just before our bike went over the jump. And then the yard sale, bike, bent, hat over here. I remember getting up after him being like, that didn't work. <laughs> Thinking to myself, you know what the problem was? I was going too slow. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Get back up there. I had a friend riding by on a bike and I stuck a broomstick in his back tire one time and I'm like, oh, that's okay. And then I'm like, I wonder. <laughs> Front tire next time down the street, man. Whew. He was not pleased with me, but it was spectacular. <laughs> we used to ride our bikes around town. <laughs> you know what? My dad didn't tell me all the crazy crap that he did when he was a kid because I'd have been like, what? Because the stuff that I'm telling you is nothing compared to some of the stuff he used to do. We used to take water balloons around. And kids nowadays, you, you live this safe helicopter parent existence, man. My mom in the summertime was like, I don't want to see you until school starts. Get out there and do something dumb. She didn't say that. Just get out there. And I'm like, to do something dumb. And so we used to like carry water balloons around on our bikes. And we'd be riding around with our bikes and, you know, cars would go by. My, my friend Jeremy got right through a lady's window one time. Half on the windshield, half right in the window. Just boosh. And then we... <laughs> then we rode it like we stole it. <laughs> we used to time water balloons. We'd have a lookout. My neighbor JB, my neighbor boy JB, he'd be like looking out and he'd be like, go. And so we'd toss a giant water balloon out on the, to the street with cars driving by. We got a half ton one time. It took us a little while to get the time. And we got a half ton one time going across there. And then the brake lights. <laughs> bunch of punks get out and we're like <laughs> if you don't have boys you don't even know our brains turn on after we think about it after like oh this is in front of my house so Ryan and I we just start running man anybody have a little brother they're your Sherpa they just got to do whatever comes into your head and we just start running we just ran out in the back 40 and my neighbor JB who was supposed to be the lookout stayed there and ratted us out yeah, I know these guys, they live right here. I'm like, you were the lookout. This was you too, you. 
the sense of adventure. We used to ride around and, and, you know, the retired couple would have this beautiful garden in the back. So we'd ride up the alley, dump our bikes, race in there, steal as much as we could. Like raspberries and peas and like steal it, get on the bikes and just take off again. And I could see, you know, if, I, if I'm an old retired guy with a carefully manicured garden, I'd be like, hey, hey the, those idiots are back. Let's run into the steal a bunch of peas and take off again. <laughs> At least they're eating their veggies, you know. The sense of adventure that we used to have. My brother Ryan, when we lived in Pasadena, I could turn a sprinkler on from the front, um, from the front porch and, and I could turn it on there with kind of a metal stick, but I needed somebody to operate it. And that's what siblings are for, especially little ones because they don't, you know, mess them up. I'm like, get out there. You got to point that sprinkler cars going by because all these cars are driving by unsprinklered. That's not right. That's an injustice in the world. We're going to fix it right now. Get out there. Now, Ryan's like on the edge of the sidewalk. He was a little grade one kid. Like, da, da, da. No, he wasn't even grade one, was he? He'd have been younger than that. Small enough not to know. So we like tried it. We missed a couple. And then we got the, the guy with his expensive convertible. Just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> then he stopped too. My mom says, I remember that night. We were having a Bible study. Front door. Swings open, Corey runs through the house and up the tree in the backyard. Ryan runs into his room and under the bed and then somebody knocks on the door. <laughs> Sense of adventure, that's what I remember. You know, I never got punished for adventure. Like I did some stupid stuff, but they, my mom never punished me for adventure. That was just kind of part of life and part of growing up and part of, now I had to fix some things and apologize for some things, but just that sense of adventure. Are you losing that sense of adventure? You were built to climb mountains. One time my, my, my dad and, and uh, my brother and I, I think we were maybe out of high school, but we started climbing a, a, a mountain with mom and, and mom had got about as far as she wanted to go. And Ryan and, and dad and I were like, we've got to go up there. So we get, we get all the way up there, but how many, when you're climbing a mountain, like you go up over this thing and it, then it keeps going and then it, then it keeps going. You're like, wow, <laughs> it's a long ways away. By the time we got there, we started thinking that sun's going to go down. We're going to be out here, you know, with the wolves or whatever happens out here. We got to get down. So we ran the whole way down that mountain. Things that I remember with my dad and my brother, we ran the whole way down. And every step running down, you know what I was thinking? Don't break your leg, don't break your leg. This is gonna be a long night <laughs> if you do. The sense of adventure. We, we wouldn't even go hiking on the pass. We'd just be spending the whole time trying to figure out how big a log we can roll off into the people on the ravine down below, you know? Just like, there was no people. We don't know if there were. My mom would be like, guys, you're going to get in trouble. It's just that sense of adventure. Like, smash something. Do something. Life with no mountains is coexistence. Peaceful, but pointless. You were made to fulfill a purpose with your life. If you never climb the mountain that God created you to climb, you'll have a peaceful existence, but it's coexistence. It's just, you'll just be here using oxygen. You, you need to find your purpose in life. You are made to climb mountains, obstacles, and overcoming them might be the point of human existence. Now, I think we lost COVID before it even started. You know why? I don't, I don't know which side of that you're on. I don't really care. I think we lost it in our society. When I look at the societies that it landed on the worst, it was the softest societies, the most bureaucratic, the safest. We've gotten so safe in our thinking 
that we spend our whole time trying to hide from it. But how many people know that, look, if you're hiding in your marriage and you're just trying to avoid, you're hiding that, that from that parenting conversation you know you got to have, you're just hiding from that, that work conversation. You spend your whole time just hiding and hoping that it doesn't notice you. That's called living under siege. And I learned this about war because I'm super interested and curious about war is that, is that when you lose the initiative and you lose your movement and the enemy can move and do whatever he wants to, the devil came in on, on the wave of COVID and tried to hurt the people of our nation. And when you just go into a siege mentality and all you're doing is just hoping the bad thing doesn't happen and hoping it doesn't notice you while your supply lines are cut off, you lose. Just give it time. Now, I don't think God wants you to die of starvation inside a wall. I think he wants you to go out and see if you can do some damage in the camp of the enemy out in the field before they take you out. Now, I'd rather die out there than die in here waiting for it. Even as a church, you know, some, some churches we've gotten so safe in, in, in our mentalities and our thinking. And, and I looked at some, some, now look, God, every church is different. And, and if this doesn't work for you, there's lots of great churches in town. But when I saw the churches of the nation just very quickly, you know, even when they could open, they wouldn't open. And I just couldn't really get my head around it. I'm thinking, and the main thing was like, we got to keep our people safe. We got to keep our people safe. And I'm thinking if apostle Paul was here, I don't think he'd be thinking about keeping you safe. I think he'd be thinking about trying to save your neighbor before they go eternally without God in the sanctity of eternal life. Look, if this life is all that you have, like my neighbors, that's all that they think that they have. They haven't explored the afterlife. They haven't made peace with God. Yeah, be safe would be the message. Yeah. I get it. But for us, with the hope of the next life, we get it all. Yeah. And some of us are just going to get there sooner than the other ones. But to go there without my neighbors, it's just this thought. I, I thought, we have to open. We have to, yeah. we have to bring hope. We have to, yeah. and look what God has done. We have to get people out of this. We've got to bring courage. We've got to teach them how to climb mountains. You can't just hide out forever. Wait for the vaccine. That's what some people are doing. My neighbors, man, like, I haven't seen them for like a year. Yeah. I don't know if they're okay in there. The old guy, he used to come out and talk to me like every day. He'd just put his chair out. He'd just watch for people going by and talk. I haven't seen him. I'm like, you doing okay? I finally saw him the other day. I'm like, you doing okay? Well, we're just waiting. We're just, I thank God that I'm with a group of people that didn't wait for a year. We didn't wait. We went out and we, we did what God told us to do. Yeah. Real boats rock. We are not a cruise ship. I love that about our church. You know what I think? I think that the prime real estate God wants for you is going to have a giant sitting on it. You're so surprised when it's like, well, how come I have to fight for my inheritance? Because the only place there's no giants is the wilderness where nobody wants the real estate. Of course it's free. Sand is free. There's no beach here. It's free. You have all the sand you want. Eat all the sand you want. Rolling all the sand you want, dying all the sand you want. Of course, Goliath is sitting on your, listen, COVID is sitting on the promised land of our nation. It's sitting on it. There's something else that's sitting on it. There's something else sitting on the promised land of your marriage. Of course, there's something sitting on it. It's valuable real estate. Go and get it. Um, you know what you need more than favorable conditions to win a war or to climb a mountain? You need Sherpas in your life. I've been thinking about this. I love Sherpas. I've been studying about Sherpas. You know their last name of a Sherpa is often Sherpa? It's like Corey Canada. I love it. Chad Canada. I think it's hilarious. 
Did you know that there's one Sherpa, that a 15-year-old Sherpa climbed Mount Everest, summited Mount Everest, wow. 15 years old. Your 15-year-old is trying to figure out cereal. <laughs> do I pour it? Where do I? Which way is up? Don't look down the barrel of a milk jug. There's a 15-year-old Sherpa climbed Mount Everest. One guy, he, he has summited Mount Everest 17 times. Now, the problem is you all want to be Edmund Hillary that gets all the fame, but the, 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 the Sherpas who helped him, they just got like a little plaque for the wall. Why? Because that's what they do. I want you to be somebody. There's one Sherpa that spent 21 hours on the summit of Mount Everest with no oxygen. I want you to, I'm, I'm tired of watching you drag oxygen tanks around or wear yourself out when you could get acclimatized to, I don't need oxygen to fight. I don't need oxygen to smile. I can, you become acclimatized to war. You become acclimatized to mountains. You become, what happened in, in 2020 was our nation got under siege. We have such an, an aversion to risk and an aversion to adventure now. And we've lost courage. We've lost faith. Except for I see some people here who have some. It's like, no, we can do this together. Oh, this thing, it's not going to beat us. There's this one, this one Sherpa, he this is the fastest summit that has ever been done. Maybe the last little bit, 10 hours and 56 minutes, wow. 10 hours and 56 minutes, man. If Renee climbed it, she'd set the, the record for the fastest descent <laughs> yeah, 15 seconds. There she goes. Yep. Click. Ooh, new record. <laughs> Listen, here's what I want you to learn today as we get into the text. God helps you summit when you help somebody else summit. That's why our nation didn't do well. Because we were busy trying to save ourselves. We were busy trying to summit this thing. That's the problem. God, listen, your life has a purpose, which is to connect with God and to connect with people. But we say at venue, you'll never fulfill your purpose until you help somebody else do it. And, and God's anointing in your life is to help somebody else reach the summit. And when they reach the summit, your destiny is tied to them. When they reach the summit, you get there too. Because when Hillary reached the summit, the Sherpa got there too. And there's this idea, look, everybody wants to be Han Solo, but somebody got to be Chewy. Everybody wants the good lines. Like, you like me because I'm a scoundrel. That's Aaron's favorite line in there because I'm Han Solo. But so you want to be Chewy and you're just like, I want more lines. And Chewy, Chewy's got one line. Man, if that's all you got, do it. But climb a mountain and help somebody do it with you. And we need some marriage Sherpas. We need some people who are like, hey, if only one of us makes it, it's going to be you. I told Aaron one time, if you leave me, I'm coming too. <laughs> Where are we going? We need some parenting Sherpas out there that are tr quit trying to live their life through their kids and hope that their kids make them feel good. My, my daughter Arwen is, is, uh, has moved out for a month with two friends from venue that I don't trust. <laughs> no, they're great, man. That's who you want your kids to move in with, like venue church youth group kids and now they're in young adults and yeah they're okay no they're great kids listen i'm in the men's call if you're not on the men's zoom call by the way get on the men's zoom call every other tuesday and they, they there was a question there that that said um what would your main regret be next year if you didn't do it this year and i'm like it's not even church stuff you know what it was my daughter has one month that i can be her sherpa to help show her how to climb mountains because this is going to be a template for when she moves out for good and i'm like 
Here's how I've built discipline into my life. Here's what we do. Here's how we don't need all that much oxygen. We need discipline. We need to do. This is how you resist temptation. This is what you do with your devices. This is what you. This is how you confess sin. You want clean hands and a pure heart. I'm going to help you. 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 Every morning I send her a text. and It takes involvement. It takes energy. But you know what I don't think? I don't think she's my Sherpa. I think I'm hers. And I'm like, I got this window of time that I'm going to help her reach the summit. And if she gets there, believe me, I'm going to be happy. She got there. Jonathan is the prince of Israel in our text. And I've been preaching a little bit about King Saul, who's Jonathan's dad. And uh, King Saul was a bit of a psycho. He became that way. He was mighty in God at one point, but he was always a little too concerned for his own skin. And that makes a bad leader. Um, a leader can't be concerned about re-election. You can't be too concerned about your own skin and your own survival. That makes for a bad leader. You've got to be concerned about your people more than you're concerned about yourself. And, and Saul was never, he was too concerned about re-election. And that's why he never got re-elected. And, and um, so to speak. And Jonathan has, there, there comes a time after this account where Goliath comes. And, and Saul should have been fighting Goliath. But Saul was too concerned for his own skin. Saul, who was a giant in Israel in physical size. He was bigger than anybody else, it says. But he still wouldn't go after Goliath because he was too afraid of what would happen to him. And David, the shepherd boy, comes into the camp. And David's like, I feel like somebody's going to get this today. What's that monstrosity doing over there? How long have you been listening to that voice? I'm sick and tired of people with this, like, COVID voice and the news. And like, oh, you might die, you might die, you might die, you might die, you might die. You might die, yeah, go find Jesus and die and go to heaven. Is the devil going to threaten you then? You got to see this mountain, this mountain of a man with a mouth that just keeps talking. And David's like, I'll bet you if I remove that head from that monstrosity, yeah. it'd stop. Yeah. Yeah. It says in that moment, Jonathan, the prince of Israel, his heart was knit to David. And then from that moment on, Jonathan was David's chirp. And he's like, you want to be the prince? You can be the prince. Here's my armor. Here's my stuff. We're brothers. Let's go. Anything you need, I've got. You know why Jonathan did that? Because of this account right here. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, his own Sherpa, get this. You got to watch because Jonathan's not the hero here. The armor bearer is. Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. The Philistines. 36,000 Philistines. Uh, all we can see here is that there's 600 Israelites. 60 to 1. Good odds. He says to this uh, armor bearer, Let's go over here. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. The thing, about, the thing about Sherpas that they were also known for, other than their agility and strength, they were known for their good attitudes. They're just happy people. I don't know how many fingers they got left, but they're happy about it. Some of y'all, when you go to war, I can tell when I see you in the morning. How you doing? Oh, pastor. Man, some of y'all like going to war. Some of you have a good cheerful disposition about it. I love going to war. I hate being bored. So at least it's something <laughs> to reach the Philistine outpost. Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sena. So not only is there this like 36,000 Philistines, but even he just one day he's like, let's go over there and see if God does something. I'm tired of hiding in caves and holes in the ground and seeds. I'm just tired. Let's go out. If we're going to die, let's die out there. He's got to climb a cliff even to get there to die. He said, let's go across there to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will fight for us. Like maybe nothing can hinder the Lord. Ready? This is God's word to you. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. 
You know, you know the context he's also saying this? There's two swords in the whole land of Israel right now. Saul's got one, and he, it doesn't matter, because some of y'all got swords, but you're not going to fight, so it don't matter. You might as well give it to somebody. Yeah. And Jonathan's got one. His armor bearer has zero swords. Sixty to one, no sword. Jonathan says, God can win with swords or without swords or with people or without people. Or God can win with mountain yaks or whatever. <laughs> His serpent says, watch this. This is somebody you need to say this to somebody this week. Do what you think is best. I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide. Some of you are, are too busy trying to judge the person that God put you with that you're supposed to be lifting up and pushing forward. Some of you are like, well, when they make good decisions, I will. This armor bearer is like 60 to 1 with no sword is a good decision on a cliff to get there. Hey, do whatever you want, man. If somebody says that to you, I, the men at Venue Church push me forward. Like, ladies, I love you, but the men are just like, well, if God told you to, what are you waiting for? You want us to respect you, yeah? I don't care. Just push me. You got to be pushing. You got to be running behind somebody so fast that if they stop, you're going to run them over. Do whatever you think is best. All right, then Jonathan told him, we'll cross over and let them see us. And if they say to us, listen to this plan. Look, it doesn't have to be a good plan. You just got to execute it 100%. Some of you are waiting for the perfect plan. There ain't no perfect plan. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go down. But if they say, come up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. So let me, let me put this into a thing. There's a group of Philistines on top of this thing. They're climbing a cliff to get to them. And Jonathan says, okay, if they say, we'll come way down there and risk our own necks to get to you, then we'll know that God is, is not, we're not going to win. But if they say, come on up here. Now, if you're hanging out with a bunch of, if you're hanging out with 20 Philistine buddies and you're drinking beer at the outpost, what are you going to say? Hey, we're going to, uh, uh, no, we're going to be like, yeah, come on up here. hundred, hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, come on up here. We'll mess you up. I'm going to just wait up here. Why would I go all the way down there and risk dying when I could just stay here and be safe and wait till you come so that. And the serpent must be thinking his armor like what? This is the prince of Israel. This is his battle plan. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. And they were. Then the men from the outpost, of course, shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> yeah, well, what else were they going to say? Come on. Climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. He's like, I knew it. This is a sign. Let's do it. And his armor bearer's like, what? So they climbed up, get this, using both hands and feet. How many hands and feet do you got? Twosies. Using both. So if it's not bad enough that, that only one of them's got a sword, it doesn't matter because neither of them can use them because both hands and both feet. Yeah. We get this climbing deal? And the Philistines fell before Jonathan. Man, the, the Lord wants to teach you different ways to kill the devil. Some of y'all got to start using your heads more. And I don't mean thinking because you're doing too much of that. <laughs> Headbutt the devil. Kick and scratch and scream and throw a yak. Do something. Yeah. Find a rock. Do something. And it says his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. There's something there for you. Man, you got to quit. Relax about your blind spots. Get a Sherpa there. And the devil trying to sneak in behind you. Your Sherpa's like, I got this, bro. Sean Gibson, my accountability partner. I got your back, bro. You don't have to worry about it. Ain't nobody coming back here. They can come back here. I'll, I'll smash them with a yak. Let's go. They, they killed about 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. And all the girls were like, oh, this is gross. 
is historical. <laughs> you got to imagine this now. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and the field, even the outposts and raiding parties. 36,000 people. Do you know how far that spread? That's not a high-rise building. There's like, would, a, would even a thousand of the 36,000 even know what's going on over here? And 20 men die because Jonathan and crazy man come up there and start killing them. And this little victory here. See, you're, you're trying to figure out a way to, to kill 36,000 Philistines. Stop it. There's only 20 in front of you. You got to get to them first. And that panic, listen, the teamwork of Jonathan and his armor bearer, it broke the spirit of fear. And when the spirit of fear over your marriage and over your family and over your kids gets broken, it goes back on the enemy. But it's like a chain reaction. It's just go boom, boom, boom. And the guy over here, number 36,000, is freaking out because two crazy people swung a yak. And just then, it says, an earthquake struck and everybody was terrified. Stop waiting for the earthquake. Make one. Look, you can't shake the ground. The devil's not really afraid of you, but I'll tell you, if you're crazy enough to go up and push somebody forward into their destiny, you're crazy enough to be an armor bearer for somebody, to be a Sherpa for somebody, you're crazy enough to give up your life if that's what it would take to get them to succeed in Christ. You're crazy enough to lay down your life for your neighbor or for your city. You're just crazy enough that, that Venue Church, the reason we had to risk it and risk it all was because our city desperately needed us to because we're not gonna stop until our city gets there. And if you're crazy enough to do that, then an earthquake comes. I was thinking about Paul and, and Silas in jail. It's midnight. They've been beaten. They didn't even need to be there. They volunteered to be there because they were Roman citizens. You can do that to a Roman citizens. But Paul and Silas were like, don't tell them. We feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to get beat. Don't even tell them. Midnight, they're chained up in the lowest part of the low dungeon that the jailer put them in. Paul turns over and looks at Silas and he's like, hey, you feel like singing? I feel like singing. I'm going to sing a little. They start singing psalms and hymns and the prisoners, the prisoners around you need to hear you singing with your back broken. You don't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You're a child of God. What are you waiting for? Start singing. Start singing and you break the, and then an earthquake strikes the prison. Everybody's, listen, everybody's chains fell off. That was the point. That's why they were there. The reason that you were here in 2020 was so that everybody's chains fall off. And they're just crazy enough to start singing. All the chains fall off. Listen, all the doors swing open and the jailer comes in and the jailer and his whole family get saved. Look, the people that are sending themselves against you, they don't know. Look, I had some talks with the city this week. We needed something. I was getting uh, the sense that we were getting blocked. And I'm like, okay, devil, you do the blocking. That's what you do because you can't help yourself. But I'm going to do what I, I do because I can't help myself. And I sent a message to the prayer team. And I'm like, here are the names of the people. These are the families we need saved. Break the power of hell off of these families. Break it off in the name of Jesus Christ. And let's see their families come to church one day. I want to baptize some of these people. Oh. And the meeting went well, too. Yeah. You got to quit being afraid, man. Listen, here's my last thought. Pastor Craig Rochelle, who's one of the great Christian leaders of our day in the States, he, he uh, there were marriage counseling, he and his wife, Amy. And, uh, and he was saying to 
to the, the they noticed, Pastor Amy noticed that the, the woman in the marriage was con- just degrading the husband all the time. Just, just on him all the time, you know. And, uh, and Pastor Amy says, why do you do that? And the, and the woman says, just like some of us feel, well, you don't know what it's like to be married to him because you, you're married to Pastor Craig. Yeah, well, maybe they didn't know that Pastor Craig was the worst sinner of the bunch until God got a hold of him. Pastor Amy looks at her, looks her in the eye and says, he'd never be Pastor Craig if I talked about him that way. Yeah, right. Come on, ladies. He'd never be this man if I, he'd never, he needed a Sherpa. I'm the best Sherpa in town. That's why we got the best pass. Come on. And some of you are waiting for somebody in your life to step up and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're under siege and your relationship is under siege because God is wanting you to release the inner Sherpa and start swinging a yak and start talking like it's different and start thinking like it's different and start treating them like it's different. And when you push somebody forward into their destiny, that's when you reach the summit too. And then the earthquake comes and the earthquake is what rattles the devil.